This is It Was a Thing on TV. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the dregs of humanity. Episode 200. Yay! Insert audience clip here. Submission 256, The Weird Al Show. The Weird Al Show aired on CBS Saturday mornings from September 13th to December 6th, 1997, for a total of 13 episodes. Oh, this is a story about a guy named Al, and he lived in a sewer with his hamster pal. But the sanitation workers really didn't approve, so he packed up his accordion and had to move to a city in Ohio where he lived in a tree, and he worked in a naval decongestant factory, and he played on the company bowling team. And every single night he had a fringe recurring dream, where he was wearing leader hosen and a bat of sour cream. But that's really not important to the story. Well, the very next year he met a dental hygienist with a special and tattooed on her arm. On her arm, but he didn't even touch any lost her number. Then he got himself a job on a tater tot farm, and he spent his life saving on a split level game. Twenty miles below the surface of the earth, of the earth. and he really makes a mighty fine jelly bean and pickle sandwich for what it's worth. One day Al was in the forest trying to get a tan When he heard the torture screaming of a funny little man He was caught in a bear trap and Al set him free And the guy that he rescued was grateful as could be And it turns out he's a big chef producer on TV So he gives Al a contract and what do you know Now he's got his very own weird that you could play on a 200th episode. I remember the theme song because it's actually a track on the uh, Weird Al Running With Scissors record. It was on the Running With Scissors album. And that was like one of the first CDs I got when I was in college. In the late 80s, CBS was riding high on the success of Pee-wee's Playhouse. And Pee-wee, well, obviously we know what happens to Pee-wee in the early 90s. And if you don't, Google Pee Wee Herman Theater at Florida. Or don't. I masturbate a lot. Hey, the only worthwhile thing that ever came from Fox and Friends. Yep. <laughs> now, around that same time, or maybe a little bit before, Weird Al Yankovic and his manager slash producer Jay Levy we're starting to pitch the idea of a children's show to capitalize on Weird Al's success in the 80s and early 90s. Because, hey, it's Weird Al. You're going to tell him that he can't front a children's show? I mean, did you see what he did in UHF? Actually, let's not talk about what he did in UHF. Although I will argue that it is a freaking brilliant movie. Oh, no argument here. But uh, not many people were really keen on a Weird Al TV show. But then something happened. Something happened in the 90s. And the networks found themselves facing off against a formidable foe. A formidable foe called... America. Anyway, networks were looking for uh, content on Saturday morning that would not be billed as 30-minute advertisements for cartoons. More specifically, content that could be packaged to be educational and informative, because the FCC now requires that uh, networks carry a number of hours of educational and informative programming. That's about right, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, EI programming, educational, informative. Yeah, that's why Saved by the Bell lasted as long as it did. So, uh, Weird Al Yankovic was not exactly keen on this, but at the same time, he really wanted to do this show. And this was the first time that any network saw uh, an interest in it. 
So, and this is all from a really good article published in Rolling Stone. He called it the deal we made with the devil to get the show on the air. And when the Weird Al show actually debuted, each episode began with a lesson of the day. And of course, everything about that episode played into that lesson of the day. And then there was animated shorts, sketches, uh, appearances by random people, appearances by famous people, appearances by random famous people. And then there was a gal spy who would change wigs in each episode, and a psychic that could only predict the present. These are all things that occurred on the Weird Al show. Yes. These are all things that happened on this show. Yep. So, what else happened on the Weird Al show, Greg? Things. Just things? Just a whole lot of things. whole lot of things. whole lot of shenanigans happened. Yeah, it's by like the Al, way... It's like Al it, has to learn a lesson in, like, every episode. Al has to learn a lesson, and yeah. Because this was 1997, and people had to learn lessons in 1997. You know about the big shot producer who put Al's show on the air, right? In the kayfabe version on the show. In the kayfabe version on the show, it was J.B. Toppersmith, played by one Stan Freeberg. Who is absolutely amazing. That's again, right. If you, if you don't know who Stan Freeberg is, what podcast are you even listening to, Nick? And hey, he was on a week of Match Game Hollywood yeah. Squares Hour in 84. Yep. But the real life Big Shot producer that... The real life Big Shot producer has a pretty big uh, resume himself. It was Dick Clark. Because seriously, what didn't Dick Clark produce back what? in the day? It's freaking Dick Clark. I mean, come on. Think about it. Dick Clark. Freaking Dick Clark. And speaking of legends, as the show's narrator and announcer, and the voice of Harvey the Wonder Hamster, is none other than Billy West. Because, you know, every show has a Fat Man animated short and Fat Man sidekick and really, for my money, the only one who did any heroing was Harvey the Wonder Hamster, who was played by Billy West. And if you don't know who Billy West is... Yeah, it's just... No, just stop. Just stop. I mean, where should we, like, start? Should we start with Ren and Stimpy? Should we start with Philip J. Fry? Where should we start? Dr. D- Zoidberg? Doug. Yeah. But we also did have a recurring cast of characters. Yes, we did. Uh, Weird Al played himself and characters named Fred Huggins, Tony Malone, and also the titular Fat Man in the animated shorts. They have the boarded guy in the wall, played by Eddie Deason of Punky Brewster fame. And that's all he did. No, he's been in a lot of stuff, Eddie Deason. Yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff, too, but really, it's just Funky Brewster. Then you have Papa Bully and J.B. Toppersmith, played by Stan Freeberg, and Baby Bully, played by Donovan Freeberg, who, if I'm not mistaken, is his actual... Son. Yeah. His actual son, yeah. Playing the role of Bobby the Inquisitive Boy is Gary Leroy Gray, who you would know as Nelson Thibodeau, the son of Sandra Huxtable Thibodeau and Elvin Thibodeau on The Cosby Show during the final season. And then you have the Hooded Avenger, played by Brian Haley. From previous installment, guys, Puchinski. You're darn right he was on Puchinski. And you may remember that uh, when we talked about him on Puchinski, 
He was on Classic Concentration in 1988. That's right, he was. Yep. And if you've never seen him, he's like a dead ringer for Drew Carey, just about. Awesome. Then you have Ed Marcus as Barda the Squirmy's cook. I've got no clue as to what Ed Marcus did. Playing the role of Val Brentwood, Gal Spy, is Paula J. Parker, who you would know in future installment Townsend Television. <laughs> Townsend Television. Yep. Okay. And then we have Mrs. Fessenmeyer. Which is played by Patricia Place. And, and not much. Yeah. Oh, Uncle Ralphie. Played by Jack Plotnick, who is just, he's done everything. But uh, most notably, he was uh, himself in the Jenny McCarthy show, Deputy Mayor Alan Finch in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and Xander in Drawn Together. Oh, Drawn Together. That may be a show we need to cover one day. Maybe. Maybe. It's a yeah. gray area. It was a very interesting show. It was. Oh, now we got Madame Judy the Psychic. Oh, and there's only one person who could play this. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. The one and only Judy Tenuta. Oh, yes. Oh, but yes. And she was like, what, one year away from Match Game 98? Yeah, this would have been 97, so yeah. yeah. So this is 97, yeah. And as Cousin Corky, we have Danielle Weeks. I'm going to do some live research here. Danielle Weeks, uh, known as a Groundling alum. Okay. And uh, she was in, last thing she was in was Baby Love in 2019, which was a pilot. Okay. Maybe that'll be in pilot month 2026. Who knows? Maybe so. But uh, she did play Sheila in Symphony of Illumination, uh, the How I Met Your Mother episode. Okay. What season was that? I believe that was... That's a good question. That was the 2011 season. So that'd be what? Season 6, 7? No, it was Symphony of Illumination was Christmas 2011. So season it would be season six, roughly season seven, but mostly she's known for Weird Al and uh, Campus Ladies, whatever that is. She was also Megan on an episode of Past Entry Nightstand. Nightstand with uh, Dick Dietrich, Dick aka Dietrich. friends of the show Tim Stack. Yeah. Hi Tim, how you doing? And also we got Al's parents as themselves. Yep, Mary and Nick Yankovic as themselves. Uh, and we also have uh, frequent, I guess, Al players. Getty Watanabe, David Bowe, Victoria Jackson, Kevin McCarthy, and Emo Phillips. Yeah, in fact, Getty Watanabe reprises his character from UHF as Cooney in this series. Yep. Oh, Red Snapper. Mmm, very tasty. Okay, Weaver. Listen carefully. You can hold on to your red snapper, or you can go for what's in the box that Hiro-san is bringing down the aisle right now! What's it gonna be? Sort of regulars, semi-regulars, quasi-regulars. Oh, wait. We forgot the most important cast member of all. Whoa. In the role of himself, Harvey the Wonder Hamster. Oh, that's right. And if we're going to talk about Harvey the Wonder Hamster, we have to play the Harvey the Wonder Hamster theme music. Oh, let's play it. <laughs> <laughs> 
So let's get into all the episodes. And by the way, all the episodes are streaming. I know you can stream all 13 episodes on uh, Peacock, but yep. I think they might also be available on Shot Factory TV, I think. Uh, yeah, uh, you said they were on Peacock. You know why? Because NBC actually produced this show. Yeah, it did. It did the NBC studios in Burbank. And also it shows up on Pluto TV uh, on the Shout uh, channel every now and then. Yes. And yes, you can stream all 13 episodes online at ShoutFactoryTV.com. Okay. All right. So let's get into the 13 episodes of this wonderful series, shall we? Oh, yes. Episode one. Bad Influence. Not the UK television show about video games, Bad Influence. Or the uh, tag team with Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian. No. Al beats a new friend named Spike, who has a way Moby cool club. And Spike tells Al that he has to rip off one pant leg, stick his arms in chocolate syrup, and shave off his right eyebrow be able to join the club he eventually finds out that it was all made up and kicks him out of the house by the way uh the hidden joke is way moby is al's label at the time oh i get it that makes a lot of sense okay yep. but playing the role of spike is kevin wiseman who would best be known for playing the character of Marshall Flinkman on the J.J. Abrams TV series Alias. And also uh, one of the evil parentals, or would you call them evil parentals or simply misguided parentals on Marvel's Runaways on Hulu? I don't know. I've never saw Runaways, so... Okay, you should see Runaways. It's good. I'm sure Disney Plus... Does Disney Plus now have it in the uh, legacy section? I don't, know, of I don't know if it's on the Disney Plus legacy section, but I know it's on Hulu. Okay. But, oh, playing the role of Seymour. We have Patton Oswalt. And really, oh. do we really have to run down Patton Oswalt's career? No. 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 He's great. He is brilliant. All right, but playing fashion reporter is downtown Julie Brown. Are we talking about the person who was a typist in 1979 and went on to become a successful actress, voiceover artist, and comedian? No, we're talking about the other Julie Brown. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you're talking about just say Julie Brown. This is downtown Julie Brown. Oh, I get this too confused all the time. Everyone yeah. does. But oh, playing as the musical guest on this episode. Because every episode has a musical guest. Mostly every episode. Bare Naked Ladies. Fun fact, this was actually the first televised appearance of the Bare Naked Ladies. And it was documented that we were kind of surprised that CBS let us say their name on the air. Well, you know what that also means. What does that also mean, Greg? It means that the Weird House show had an appearance by someone who was a contestant on Bumper Stumpers. <laughs> yep, this is true. Stephen Page was a contestant on Bumper Stumpers. It's true. It happened. Look it up. Hey, we've got even more people, though, and even more game show connections. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So as the channel hopping announcer on this episode was Bo Weaver. Bo Weaver. His game show connection. He was the announcer on College Madhouse. Oh. Oh, man. College... I've heard of that show, but Co I never saw it. College Madhouse it, it, it with was Greg Kinnear. Yeah, it was the college version of Funhouse. Yeah, I've heard about it, but I've never seen it before. These are students from some of America's finest colleges and universities showing exactly what they learn every week on the game called College Madhouse. This week's challengers, the Nittany Lions of Penn State University and the Panthers from the University of Pittsburgh. I'm not. 
Here's the dean of College Madhouse, Greg Cunningham. Well, this week and every week on College Madhouse, teams from two of America's top universities and finest colleges compete in a battle of brains and brawn, featuring some fairly outrageous physical stunts and a lot of questions. Yeah, you're probably better for not seeing it. But one other name, and we've talked about him in the past, playing a pizza delivery guy, Butch Hartman. Oh, uh, uh, are we talking about the creator of Angry Beavers, Butch Hartman? We're talking about the guy who lost $30,000 on Match Game Hollywood Squares to Hulk Hogan's ex-sister-in-law. <laughs> the guy oh, who created Fairly Odd Parents lost with Hulk Hogan's sister-in-law for the $30,000 on January 3rd, 1984. What? Yeah, that Butch Hartman. Yeah. And by the way, did we mention the lesson of this episode? Because, you know, every episode, every has-, episode has to have a lesson. Oh, what's the lesson? What's the lesson? Don't follow people who can get you into trouble. Think for yourself. Who could get you into trouble? As Billy West says. All right. Episode two. Promises, promises. Knew you'd never leave. Al lies to his friends. About being buddies with John Tesh, so in order to raise the eighty-two thousand dollar appearance fee, Tesh charges he says infomercials to sell. sell worthless junk. Eventually, all of his customers want a refund, including John Tesh himself. Really? And and the best part is Al doesn't even notice it was John Tesh who wanted a refund. Well, maybe next time I try to raise money. Hey, Yankovic, I bought your lousy shoelace tying gauge. It cut off the circulation in my feet. I'm lucky I can still walk. Yeah, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is the biggest piece of junk I've ever seen in my life. What a ripoff. How do you sleep at night? <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, here's your money back. Thanks a lot. See you. Bye. You're a disgrace. Yeah, run along now. <laughs> we'll be right back. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But oh obviously John Tesh is in this episode. Of course. But we also got Piri as themselves. We got three infomercial legends. We got Mike Levy, best known for hosting Amazing Discoveries. And we also got Tony Little. And uh, we lost him a while ago, and we covered one of his subjects in a minisode way back when, Ron Popeil. Yeah, Tony what? Little was on that exercise thing. What was that? It was sort of like an elliptical machine. Something it was sort of like, a, yeah, I know what you're talking about. It was like, I'm trying to remember. Well, I don't know what the name of it is, but I know exactly what it is. In case the name Tony Little didn't ring a bell. Yeah, but Ron Popeil, I missed your microphone. The spray-on hair. The food dehydrator. And the pocket fisherman. The, the showtime rotisserie. The showtime rotisserie. Come on. Set yeah, the showtime rotisserie. And also that pasta maker. Oh, the Ron Popeil pasta maker. That was awesome. Yeah. I'll tell you this. Ron Popeil, his products, you knew they were quality. They really they were, were. They were yeah. quality? The, the ones I got uh, were quality. And I'm not even kidding. Uh, he had like a bagel slicer, just, just a, a cheap little plastic uh, thing that you can insert bagels into and then cut them. And the knife that came with that is the single sharpest knife I've ever bought. Yeah, wow. I have to be very careful around it because I've cut my fingers a couple times on that. Mm. Super sharp. All right. The lesson is don't make promises. You can't keep. Okay. Episode three, mining accident. Some coal miners break through Al's house. And he has to learn to make friends with them. That's what happens when you're in a split level cave, like way below the surface of the 20 earth. miles below the surface of the earth. It's in the theme song. Right? Oh yeah. 20 miles. Okay. But okay. Do we want to mention who's playing some of the miners in this episode? Why? Yes. Yes, we do. Okay. We have David Bowe, who, of course, was Al's 
co-star in UHF, but also we talked about him all the way back in the Bud Bowl episode. Because remember, he was in those skits in Bud Bowl four with like the dog. Remember mm-hmm. the dog the Bud yeah. Bowl ticket, which was like an excuse, I guess, for Chris Berman to use all his ESPN catchphrases. Yeah. And also we have playing one of the minors, oh, a legend in the music industry from the E Street band, the big man, Clarence Clemens. The big man. Oh. We we miss That's you, Clarence. We miss you, Clarence. Oh yeah. But playing the other pair of minors, and oh, this is just perfect. David Lander and Michael McKean. Lenny and Squiggy. <laughs> that is beautiful. Yeah. Did we mention uh, Martha Quinn? Oh, yeah. Martha Quinn has a cameo in a commercial. Yeah, because Martha Quinn is... I mean, come on. Martha Quinn. Let's go. Yeah. The lesson here, you should try to understand and appreciate people who are different from you. Don't make quick judgments. Okay. Good to know. A good lesson. Episode four. Back to school. Al decides he wants to become smarter and soon regrets it. Uh But we have, okay, some of the guest stars in this episode. We have Bill Mummy playing Delivery Guy. A.K.A. Lenier from Babylon 5 or Will Robinson from Lost in Space. The OG Lost in Space. Depending on which age you fall under. Exactly. It's age dependent. Yes. Uh, Bill Kirkenbauer as the cold relief man. Thomas Decker. Holy cow. Thomas Decker was on this episode. You know, Thomas Decker, John Connor from Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. And you're just going to skip over Bill Kirkenbauer and not mention he played Coach Lubbock on just the 10 of us? My bad. <laughs> and okay. then we have uh, some uncredited credits from Tress McNeil, legend, and Liam Twohey, legend? But we want to talk about legend. Playing himself because this is an episode about getting smarter and who doesn't know about getting smarter but the one the only the late the great alex trebek hi i'm alex trebek would you like to make more money impress your friends be like me and know everything in the world Sure you would. And now the Know-It-All Correspondence School can help with courses in molecular biology, nuclear waste management, air traffic controlling, aardvark training, belly button lint recycling, UFO restoration and repair, unleashing your inner robot, frog cosmetology, accounting, and so many more. With the Know-It-All Correspondence School, you can know it all in no time at all. Call Know-It-All now and start learning today. I did. Wow. That's the answer to all my problems. If I just take every single one of those amazing courses, there won't be anything I don't know. And then I'll be admired by all. And I can learn it all really, really fast. That's it. I'm going to order the works. And then I will know everything. (laughs) Hello? Can Al really know it all, or will he blow it all by trying to learn too many things at once? How many appearances is this for Alex on our podcast? This has got to be Not what, enough. eight or nine, Not ten. Enough. It's got to be at least a double digits now. It has to be. Has to be. I mean, come on. Come on now. Alex Trebek. You're going to say that we're not going to put Alex Trebek on a show? When the opportunity arises? No. Okay. That's just crazy. And of course, Getty Wadnavi as Cooney, as we mentioned before, is in this episode. You're so stupid! Now, that's kind of interesting. You, you have Alex Trebek, 
who uh, is like the the master of intelligent uh, discourse, and you have Cooney who says, "You're so stupid." Well, are you smart or are you stupid? I don't know. Anyway, just to think the, about. Just something to think about. The lesson of this episode is: learning new things takes time, study, and hard work. Episode five: Time Machine. Wait, wait, a minute. wait, wait! Where's John Davidson to make a prediction that this show's going to be on a really long time? Cue the clip. And now here's John Davidson. If you're watching us for the first time, maybe you don't know, this is our very first show, but we plan to be here for a very long time. You see, it may look like, yeah, I'll, I thought one guy is excited about that. We just used it last week, why not? Oh, John, that never gets old. Okay. Oh, guys, you're not going to believe this. Al forgot to get Harvey the Wonder Hamster present on his birthday. Oh no. no! So he uses his new invention to go back in time and get Harvey a present. Why? Mm. Wait, Weird Al created a TARDIS? Yeah. And he used it to go back to some time before Harvey's birthday. Son of a gun! And, um... Who do we have here? Oh, we got uh, Terry Gore as herself. Uh-huh. And we have Weird Al's band. Yeah. As themselves. Steve J on bass, Ruben Valtiera on keyboards, Jim West as guitarist, and John Bermuda Schwartz on the drums. The hardest working drummer in the game today, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Yes. And of course, playing the role of crying woman is Victoria Jackson. Because UHF. There is a lesson to be learned on this. It's important to acknowledge your mistakes, learn from them, and try to do better next time. Alright. Episode 6. One for the record books. Harvey the Wonder Hamster gets radioactive and grows to four times the size of Al, becoming the world's biggest hamster on Earth and getting put in the Guinness Book of World Records. Al becomes jealous and tries to make himself a world record. Yeah, for some reason, it involves Siskel and Ebert, played by soundalikes Todd Patrick Braw and Mark Kennedy. Again, for some reason. For some reason. Oh, hold up. We have a guest spot here, uncredited. Okay, guys. Voicing an alien in this episode. And he directed all 13 episodes of this show. Okay, Chico, are you ready for this? I'm ready for this. Peyton Reed. What? That's right, folks. The future director of such films as Bring It On and Ant-Man Ant-Man and the Wasp, and coming in 2023, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania voiced an alien on this episode. Yep. Hey, they have to start somewhere, these directors. They sure do. And I think also Peyton Reed directed the, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the live-action segments with Doc Brown in the Back to the Future animated series. Yes. Yeah, and he also, I think, directed the Back to the Future ride at Universal Studios. Also, yes. And he also directed two episodes of The Mandalorian. Oh, yeah, this, and the epic uh, season two finale. With still, that final scene, to quote the ghost of Christmas past in Scrooged, Niagara Falls, Frankie. Am I wrong, uh, Chico? Nope. Oh, and we also need to mention the musical guest. It's 1997. Is there any band bigger than this in 1997? Hanson. Hanson. Yeah, well, the Spice Bob was, yeah, it was them and the Spice Girls, the two biggest things in 1997. And maybe Los Del Rio with the Macarena, but that's closer to 96. 
Yeah. Yeah. But still, for a kid's show, it does not get bigger than Hanson. Okay. What's the lesson in episode six, Chico? The lesson in episode six is it's not so important to hold a world record, but it is always important to do your best. Okay. Episode seven. Because I said so. Al has to babysit Huey, Al's television producer's greedy nephew. Wow. Oh. This one's asking for trouble. That's what happens. Stan Freeberg gives you a show. You have to watch his nephew, even if he's a greedy jerk. Yeah. But okay, playing the role of Buford as a guest star in this episode, Charles Fleischer. Oh. The voice of Roger Rabbit. Yep. And, and uh, a couple of notables playing themselves. It would be Dick Van Patten. Come on. Tom Bradford, the date is enough. Hey, and we talked about him in previous installment, When Things Were Rotten. Oh, yeah. Back in yeah, episode... What episode was that? I think it was in the 40s. No? You want to know what it was? Was it 69? Nice. Nice. Was it 69? I don't know. Was it 69? Yes, it was 69. I was setting you up for that joke. Jeez. <laughs> and, and Cheap person, joke. And a second person who is playing themselves, Taj Mori. That's The right. smart guy. The, the smart, smart guy. guy. I mean, the second time in like a couple of weeks we talked about smart guy. Yep. Yeah, it is. Oh, that was a big show. Is there any other guest stars in this episode? Or uh, We talked about Stan Freeberg and Donovan Freeberg. Okay. And Charles Fleischer and Taj Mori. Okay. And the house band. Okay. That's so- really it. The lesson here is, the best way to work out a problem with a bully is through peaceful communication. That's nice. Yeah, that's, that's wholesome. Episode 8 talent show today is the day of the annual weird Al talent show but cousin corky gets stage fright Ooh, that's not good yeah and of course this one's loaded for bear with talent you want to talk about talent we have as fred flintstone and wilma flintstone of course you have henry corden and gene vanderpill yeah, because there's an animated segment with Fred and Wilma with Al in the episode. Yep. And of course you have Al's mom, played by Al's mom. We have Cindy, played by comedian Kathy Ladman. Oh. A weather woman played oh, by... Weather woman! A weather woman, played by comedian and part-time counter-terrorist agent Mary Lynn Ricegub. Hey, Greg, you know what we've been missing in some episodes as of late? Oh, talking about that bastard Charles Logan? Besides that. Oh, what have we been doing? Oh, believe that guy. Oh, well, yeah, screw that guy. But also, we need to make a reference to It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh. Mary Lynn Rice Cub plays Gail the Snail. Gail the Snail. Nice. Who Frank gets it on with in one episode. Oh, boy. And we can be rest if we mentioned that she does appear in the Gang Beats Boggs reboot episode. Oh, yeah. Yes, she does. And then you have, as talk show host, Roger Rose. And as game show host, Matt Whitehold. Not really much to talk about him. Okay. I mean, well, well, for Roger Rose, we need to mention... He had some uh, announcer uh, tryouts for The Price is Right back uh, uh, when Rich Fields was hired. Of course when they did. When they did, like, Burton Richardson and Randy West after Rod Roddy passed away. Uh-huh. Yeah, he, he was one of the uh, announcers that subbed before they uh, chose Rich Fields. And the musical guest on this episode. Ooh, 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 ooh. It's immature. Yeah. Man, I haven't thought about immature in like 20 years. Yeah, it was basically Marcus Houston and two other people. Two other people. By the way, Marcus Houston of Sister Sister fame. Yes. So, Chica, what's the lesson for episode eight? 
The lesson of episode 8 is, when faced with the challenge, try your best and don't be afraid to seek good advice. That's good. Episode 9, Al plays hooky. Uh-oh. Al decides to take a vacation, leaving Cousin Corky stuck hosting the show. This'll end well. Oh. Hey, guess who's playing the mayor, guys, in this episode? Uh, that would be Kevin McCarthy, a.k.a. that bastard R.J. Fletcher. From UHF. And, of course, as we know, he did one of the Bicentennial Minutes. Yes, he did. Uh-huh. Because we have a picture of him doing one. Yep. Thank you, Getty Images. All and right. playing themselves on this episode... Two of the most attractive people to come out of 1997, Daisy Fuentes and Fabio. Hey, guys. This was before Fabio boarded Apollo's chariot, by the way. (laughs) I was just going to mention that. (laughs) I've ridden Apollo's chariot 11 times, did not get struck by a bird once. That is I'm still, out of that. That is, that is what Fabio's going to be remembered for for the rest of his life. Getting hit by a freaking goose. <laughs> also, I'm sorry. I, I need to put this in there because this is about that time frame. Uh, when Fabio did I Can't Believe It's Not Butter commercials. I can't believe it's not butter. It's the lesson to take from this episode is take responsibility for your actions and always be considerate of others. You mean it's don't ride on a roller coaster and then get hit in the face by a goose? That's lesson 9B. Okay, duly noted. Episode 10, he ain't heavy, he's my hamster. Al believes Harvey about doing a death-defying stunt and must make amends. According to the DVD commentary, this was originally intended to be the debut Heads containing exposition for characters in segments that seem out of place on what turns out to be the 10th aired episode. And, oh god, on this episode we have Dr. Demento as himself. And let's remember that Dr. Demento was the person who found Weirdal Yankovic, uh, aired his songs originally on his show. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And in uh, a commercial, we have a mom and dad played by John Ennis from something. It's like John Ennis from, I don't know, something. No, he was in Walcart the Dewey Cox story. And Loretta Fox, who was in all 13 episodes of Strip Mall. Oh, Strip Mall. with With the other Julie Brown. Yep. And uh, oh, wait, you know, who's also in strip mall guys, Jonathan Mangum, Chris Wilde, uh, and and that bastard Charles Logan was on that bastard Charles Logan. Second reference to Charles Logan in about five minutes. (laughs) Yeah, we know it's Gregory Itzen, but it'll always be that bastard Charles Logan to us. Okay, also, Loretta Fox, two seasons of Rock and Roll Jeopardy is the announcer. That's right, oh. she was the announcer on Rock and Roll Jeopardy with Jeff Probst. I forgot about that. Yep. How come he didn't get a tryout? Anyway! I know! Like, like, at least bring it full circle. Have Jeff Probst do a guest hosting spot for a week. But you know what? That's what happens, Mike. Not you. The other one. I know, I know, I know. But hey, there's other people that we need to talk about. Uh, playing himself... Dweezil Zappa? Oh, what yeah. Dweezil Zappa. Yeah. And also, somebody we did not talk about all that long ago playing Mr. Molasses is Rick Overton. Yes. And we talked about him not too long ago in The New Adventures of Beans Baxter, because he was ugly agent number one. But also, in connection to that episode, since we made like six references to it, he was also on Encyclopedia Brown. Encyclopedia Brown. And also, he was Rufus in the uh, Bill and Ted live action series. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's done a ton of things. Yes. Yes, he has. 
And the lesson for this episode is... Oh, oh we, we forgot Emo Phillips is in this episode. He's been a few, in a few episodes, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And what's the lesson? The lesson of this episode is a true friend is someone who helps you believe in yourself and achieve your goals. Oh, that's terrific. All right. Episode 11, The Competition. Al competes against Fred Huggins and Uncle Ralphie to see who is the best TV show host. Oh, but we got guests galore here. Oh? Oh, yeah. We uh-huh. have, uh-huh, we have as the award show host, Fred Willard. We've talked about him a number of times in the past. Yeah. Oh, baby. I mean, come hey. on. We talked about Fred Willard, like, last week. Slapping Bill. That's okay. Real people be their commercial. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, and we also made reference to him with Martin Mull in Domestic Life. Uh just because that was like the only show uh that Martin he- Mull was on that didn't have Fred Willard. Yeah. Or just about it felt like it. Yeah. Uh but also as Al in this episode, he had his own show at this time, and he's gone on to bigger and better things since uh th- this originally aired. One Drew Carey. Oh yeah, whatever happened to that guy? Yeah, what he what's he doing lately? Uh, Power of Ten. Oh, if that's not on the list, I think that has to be Power of Ten. Yeah, I don't think he's. But done I don't much. know what he's been. I don't. I don't. Yeah, he hasn't done much. Not in the last fifteen or so years. Hmm. No, no. Once Drew Carey show ended, it was everything was done for him. Everything he, was done, unfortunately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah. I'm sure he's doing something now between 11 and 12. Yeah, as yeah. long as he's staying out of trouble. Yeah. Yep. You know what? Good for him. Good for him. He's Good got for him. him indeed. He's got his money. He does. Yeah. yeah, he does. By the way, the lesson on this episode is whenever you're in any type of competition, it's always important. To play fair. Cool. Episode 12. The obligatory holiday episode. That is the name of the episode. The obligatory holiday episode. Al celebrates the holidays with his friends. This was the last episode recorded and was intended to run last, but it ended up being the second to last episode that aired. Okay. Appearing as himself. Well, you knew he was going to make an appearance on this show somehow. Dick Clark. Really? Oh, yeah. Because yeah, this is a holiday episode. You have to have this for New Year's. Yeah, of course. Sure, why not? Yeah. And playing Uncle Jonathan. Oh, guys. Guys. It's the amazing Jonathan as Uncle Jonathan. That makes sense. That's great. That's a- that's amazing. <laughs> a great stand-up comedian. But but also, I think we'd be remiss if we mentioned he was the host of Ruckus. The host of Ruckus. The host of Ruckus. Oh, my gosh. And playing token Brit. Uh, Morton Lewis. Do you have any information about Morton Lewis? Well, he was playing British Redcoat. That was the, the name of his character was British Redcoat, and this was his only credit. What? This was, I I kid you not. According to uh, IMDb, this is his only credit. <laughs> okay, he is a. All right, I have Truth by Consensus Wikipedia right here. Morton Lewis is a U.S.-based English humorist, writer, radio, TV host, producer, and marketing strategist. He is known for his participation in a variety of projects in the arts and entertainment worlds, including his work as the co-creator and co-producer of the Secret Policeman's Balls Benefit Shows for Amnesty International, a series he created with Monty Python alumnus John Cleese, and as a comedic performer and writer on American TV. He hosts his own daily radio show heard in America on Sirius Satellite Radio, and he's an occasional contributor to the Huffington Post website. Okay. Okay. Hey, what's the lesson on this episode? 
Melissa, on this episode is when friends want to share their feelings, you should be a good listener. Yeah, good point. All right. And then we get to the last episode. Al gets robbed. Uh-oh. Al returns to the cave from a trip and finds out that all his stuff has been stolen. Oh, no. Okay, let's get ready for the guest stars in the final episode. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you're going to need to buckle your seats for some of these. Okay. Playing the burglar in this episode, Dick Van Patten. Oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Who would have suspected Dick Van Patten would be a thief? Well, that's the point. Nobody would suspect Dick Van Patten of being a thief. Okay. I would. Then again, Dick Van Patten, he looks shady. Okay. But playing himself in a segment is, okay, you ready for this? I'm ready for this. The one, the only, Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, yeah! Snip into the Slim Jim. Oh, my God. And then you have, as Al's imaginary friend, Gilbert, somebody we reference frequently on this show, Gilbert Gottfried. Oh, Gilbert Gottfried. What a stretch. Gilbert Godfrey was playing an imaginary friend named Gilbert. That is a stretch. It's the Tony Danza ruling effect. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, well, you know what, guys? Wait a minute. We didn't talk about the musical guest. Okay, what's the musical guest? All for one up in here. Oh, another band I haven't thought about in years. Yep. Uh, it's like, God. I remember, all, tr- fun fact, folks, All For One's debut album was the first CD I ever bought, and I only bought it for the one song, and it wasn't even the radio version that made the uh, CD, which I was kind of disappointed. I wanted to hear the radio, ver- I wanted to hear the radio version of So Much In Love. I did not hear the radio version of So Much In Love until college. Well, at least you got closure on the radio version, unlike Mike with Beat the Clock 79. It's coming. Second fun fact, Governor's School West Talent Show. I sang All for One's version of I Turn to You. Oh, that's terrific. All right, today's lesson is, when faced with a problem, use your creativity and imagination to help you solve it. Oh, that's terrific. Yep. Okay, well, I got one thing. We talked about Gilbert Gottfried being in this episode. Yes. Well, you know what probably was probably airing during this episode in the commercial breaks? What's that? Be cool about five, oh, God. Who are you? Seymour Smoke. Smoke detector. <laughs> the more smoke I see, the more noise I make. And I see more smoke coming from that toaster. Oh my God. Thanks for warning us, Seymour. That's my job. I hate smoke. It's disgusting. It gives me a headache. So whenever I see it or smell it, I make this noise to warn you. Because where there's smoke, there may be fire. Good tip, Seymour. How many smoke detectors do you have in your home? Count them. Is there one outside your bedroom? There should be. Tell your parents. Be cool about fire safety. Okay, it's been about 25 years since I've seen that. Yeah, same. (laughs) By the way, bet you didn't know the little girl in that commercial was Lindsay Lohan. What? No! Are you kidding? I'm not even joking. Stop right there. Just stop right there. Oh my god. That's the that's the that's the information I bring to you on this podcast. Okay. Oh my So okay, so all thirteen episodes of the Weird Isle show aired at eleven thirty on Saturday mornings on CBS. Now, this would be again because of the whole FCC 
need we need all all this EI content. This would be like one of the first shows in the Think CBS Kids block, along with Beekman's World, Fudge, the new Ghostwriter Mysteries. Oh, the new Ghostwriter Mysteries. New York uh, doesn't look a, anything like Canada. No. It was such a disappointment to me as a kid who loved the original Ghost Rider. The Sports Illustrated for Kids show and Wheel 2000. Oh, that's right. Wheel 2000 was in the same block. Uh-huh. And in the spring, they brought back CBS Story Break. That was nice. I did like that they brought back CBS Story Break. Yep. And Weird Al always had the 11.30 block, and it started going up against Jungle Cubs on ABC, and X-Men on Fox, and the Sylvester and Tweety Mysteries on the WB, and Hang Time on NBC. The first of two episodes. Uh, well, that's very tough competition going up against what? Well, it's not terribly tough competition. I mean, it's it's manageable competition, and it got even more manageable when they replaced X Men with Silver Surfer in the winter. Oh yeah, because you know the Silver Surfer cartoon was not that good. No, it really wasn't. And in the spring, they replaced that with Sam and Max Freelance Police. Oh yeah, I remember that. No, I do. It it it, uh, it still runs on uh, reruns on uh, Pluto TV. Yep, sure does. But ultimately, this the uh, competition of all the uh, shows that were on at 11.30, it wasn't what did the show in. We have another case of Screwed by the Network. According to our friends at TV Tropes, all the executive meddling meant the show never reached its full potential, and the makers knew it. Not to mention that it was on different times on every station, often very early in the morning, and its only advertising was during the Saturday morning block itself. To basically put it from uh, Al's perspective, Weird Al and the others thought that the show was formulaic, but it wasn't Pee-wee's Playhouse formulaic. It was his own little beast. And there was a difficulty keeping the show in check as Weird Al said. And he said that production was found to be very stressful and not the vision of what they wanted it to be. And for the commentary, much of the commentary ended up being directed at the issues they had with CBS in producing the show. So yeah, screwed by the network. What can we say? Hmm. What can we say? Just it had a bad fate with CBS. Yep. And again, part of it had to be with that whole uh, sort of this is what you need to do in 1997 on Saturday morning. We need everybody to learn something. Now, I have I actually have a quote here from the Rolling Stone article. Okay. And this is for Weird Al. There are parts of the Weird Al show that definitely make me cringe. Especially the overly didactic stuff that the network forced us to include. But there are a lot of great nuggets of comedy that I'm still very proud of. We did an animated scene from the Flintstones. Hanna-Barbera actually animated it themselves. The idea was that it was footage from the cutting room floor of an old episode where I made my appearance on this show as Al Yankstone but I can't remember my lines. I think that was the most expensive single piece we did on this show. I'm very fond of the Batman segments and most of the channel hopping stuff, the stuff with no learning, just random stupidity. Maybe that's why I'm better suited to the internet. Where do I think the Weird Al show fits in my career? I'd already had a failed movie with UHF. It was nice to have a failed TV show to balance it out. Then, 20 or so years later, he had, like, every one of the top five Billboard singles in a single week because of uh, Mandatory Fun, which was, I think, only duplicated once, Drake. Oh, Wheelchair Jimmy? 
Hey, doesn't matter what Drake does for the rest of his life. He'll always be wheelchair Jimmy Brooks to me. There you go. Just ask Ghostface Killer. Yep. So thoughts, Mike? How could this last 13 weeks? That's just, I'm, I'm just going to put that out there. Given all the celebrity backing, given like everything, how does this last 13 weeks? No, I love this show. I watched every episode when it originally aired, and I loved every minute of it, but I I knew that this was not going to last beyond one year, so... Because it was just too out there for Saturday morning, even at 13. Yeah, it just seemed like a welcome mishmash and a welcome break from all of the uh, learning... But it seems like all of the stuff that wasn't Weird Al was basically shoehorned in and forced, but, you know, it made for a really entertaining show, I thought. It did. But and if you want to watch this, like we said, it is available on DVD, and, of course, you can stream it on Shout Factory TV. It pops up on Pluto TV, and it is available, all 13 episodes, on Peacock. So what else can we say except it had all of Al's friends, a whole lot of music, a whole lot of laughs, a whole lot of cartoons, but ultimately, and a whole lot of Harvey the Wonder Hamster, but ultimately it was a thing on TV. Well, that about wraps it up for this 200 episode, and before we head out, we just want to... Well, just want to thank you, first and foremost, because, again, we do this show, obviously, because we like television, but we also do this for you guys, and we do it because of you, and I just want to say thank you, because without you guys, we're just three guys talking at each other every week. And really, if you look at it, we've never had a single bit of advertising on here. We do it for the love of TV. We're not making any money on this. Trust me. This was basically this. We started this out in uh, October of 2019, and it was a labor of love. Still is, and as long as television continues to churn out obscurities, heaven forbid, we'll continue to talk about said obscurities. And hey, speaking of obscurities. Episodes 201 and 202 next week. Not necessarily obscurities, but I think we might be getting into obscure territory a little bit. Well, we're getting back to sequels. Because as we all know from Taika Waititi and Free Guy, everybody. IPs and sequels. That is the thing that people want. Let me ask you a question. Okay. You love Kentucky Fried Chicken, right? Mm-hmm. No. If you love Kentucky Fried Chicken, and I made Kentucky Fried Chicken, and I know that you love Kentucky Fried Chicken, why would I make another restaurant called, uh, I don't know, Albuquerque Boiled Turkey? Okay? Mm-hmm. Makes mm-hmm. no sense, homie. No sense. What am I going to give you? A sequel. Kentucky Fried Chicken Chicken Part 2. Yeah, that's right. Kentucky Fried Chicken 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 Part 2. No, but we do have two sequels to some of our most popular episodes coming up in 201 and 202. Yep. And they're all coming up next week. But in the meantime, please don't forget to listen on our website. It was a thing on TV, as well as wherever fine podcasts are streamed. Oh, wait. And also, we're going to ring the bell. We're going to ring the bell on YouTube. To make sure you are updated on uh, future entries. And, oh, while we're at it, we got... Uh, how can I forget this? We gotta thank uh, everybody who's ever given us an idea. Folks like uh, Adam Needif, uh, Jennifer Smith at Place to Be Nation, uh, Lucas Hackett, who actually gave us the idea for our last episode. For Wild West Cowboys. Yes. Whoever it was that gave us the idea for the Hollywood game, I... Forget your name, but old man yells at music on Twitter. We, we know you're a devoted listener. Yeah, and again, there's a whole lot of people that we have to thank, and if we were to sit here and uh, thank them all individually, we'd be here all day, so... Yeah. Again, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for listening. Hey, guys. 
I'm sorry I interrupted you, Chica, but I got something special for you guys so we can wrap 200 up. What's that? It's time for a special episode 200 edition of It Was a Thing on TV Haiku Corner. Oh, bring it on. This is yes! th- this is a very special occasion. Bring, bring okay. on the best haiku you've got. Okay, here we go. Better make this a good one, Greg. All right, here we go. We can't do another one like this for another hundred episodes. Make this a good one. Here we go. 200 episodes complete. What can we say, everyone? More bad stuff ahead. Okay, you get props there. That's a good one. Well... I'll just about wrap it up. Stay tuned as we begin the next 200 installments of It Was a Thing on TV. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. I'm told that our new contestant is a stand-up comedian. Let's find out how funny he is and also how good he is at playing our game as we welcome Brian Haley. Hiya, Brian. I put you on the spot there by saying that, didn't I? Uh, yeah. Where are, you, where are you from? I'm from Seattle, but I'm presently living in uh, Pasadena. I <laughs> See, somebody thinks Pasadena's funny. Some people just know how to tell a joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right, because every time I say Pasadena, I get no reaction from the audience. 